You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Welcome back, Tabletop Enthusiasts. I am your host, Justin, of the Tabletop and Beyond Podcast, and I'm here with one of my favorite co-hosts, Jason. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. Yeah, buddy. We missed you last uh, couple yeah. weeks, right? It's been a bit. Yeah. Uh, glad you're back. Uh, glad you're you're settled in your new place now, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's still like, you know, the occasional box here or there in the house that can't seem to get put away. But uh, for the most part, got everybody sleeping in beds. So that's a good thing. Um, The most important question I have for you is it has nothing to do with beds or kitchenware. How fast did you get your hobby stuff unpacked? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, not as fast as I'd like to okay. have gotten it unpacked. Is but, it uh, still boxed up? It is uh, oh, pa- parts of it. Parts oh, of it are no. still boxed up, yes. My, my, I mean, those of you who have bought a house or moved before, it's, you know, it's not the most exciting thing. I mean, it's, it's exciting, but it it's, it's carries, can carry stress and, and stuff. So I, th- I, I will say that, you know, I got my desktop and my Xbox plugged in probably pretty quick after i got internet and then uh and then have been kind of just relaxing in that way over the last little bit uh as the stress levels have come kind of gone back to normal (laughs) that's good that's good um i know that i've been trying to keep my distance from bothering you online (laughs) yeah i appreciate it uh i i i I noticed (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah no ready to get back into the swing of things awesome awesome uh very good well let's kick it off then and start with some geek week um i'm curious about your geek week yeah my so uh my this was probably you know something i really enjoyed uh probably like a year and a half ago now was the game the surge right um i am a that's a great game yeah, I am a huge Dark Souls fan. I played Demon Souls back in the day when it came out and played it to death. And then when the Dark Souls series, the spiritual successor, came out, I played uh-huh. that to death. Uh, played Bloodborne. Not as much as I wanted to because my kids kind of took over the PlayStation and I kind of kept on the Xbox. Um, and then I, have, I haven't played the, the latest one that came out. But anyways, The Surge really scratched my Dark Souls feeling in a sci-fi setting. Okay. Uh, and I, it, the surge is a, a great game if you like that kind of punishing. It when you, you know when you die, you you have to you start over and you have to make your way back to where you died to pick your stuff up. And as you play the game, you grind and you get parts and materials and you can craft new weapons. You can upgrade weapons and you become stronger as the more and more you play the game. That kind of a game. Um, and the other thing that I love about those kinds of games, the Dark Souls. And uh, the surge and other games. Uh, Lords of the Fallen was an okay one that was kind of mm-hmm. kind of tried a little bit. Uh, not too bad if if you're not too picky. It did have some flaws, but is what I love about those games is every enemy is unique, yeah. and um, you have to learn every enemy and you have to learn how to respond. So you actually feel like you become a pretty good fighter when you play those games. Um, yeah. You know you can and you can customize. You can decide you want to be heavy hitter or you want to be agile. You know high dexterity, that kind of thing, and just jump around and dodge, or you want to be a shield parry kind of guy. I just really love games that allow you to play outside of, you know, a linear character that you have to be, and ones that reward you for learning um, 
for learning the way that the uh, the enemies uh, respond to you so that you can bait and switch and that kind of stuff to the enemy. I just really enjoy it. Yeah, once you figure out how those enemies work, man, all of a sudden the game becomes so much easier. It know? does. And then right when it's <laughs> right when you feel like you've mastered an area and you've grounded grinded it a few times, you're like, all right, let's go to the next area. There's a new enemy. Right. There's a new set of enemies that are all different. you got to learn them again. It's just it's cool. Yeah. Anyways, the Surge 2 has been on um, uh, what? Games Pass. Games Pass, yeah. yeah. For probably several months now. Um, and I think the game itself did not do super well in terms of reviews from the community. Uh-huh. Uh, but I would tell you, man, I am really enjoying it. It is. Nice. It just. I feel like I'm playing the Surge all over in a new setting. Uh, the combat is uh, crisp. Um, it's very responsive. I feel like. Did the um, first surge get a good reviews? It got okay reviews. I think it was like seventy-ish percent. Yeah, you know, like, I remember like, there being some anticipation coming out about Surge Two, but it sort of fell off the radar for me. It did. It fell off the radar. Uh, and that said, you know, I just started playing it this week. I kind of put it off when I kind of saw the the responses, um, and I was waiting for it to kind of come to Games Pass and then the move and all that stuff. But uh, and just other things in life. It's actually I've had it downloaded for a while, but I finally just booted it back up. Nice. I, I will say I think it is very enjoyable. Um, the story is okay. Um, kind of not really paying attention to the story. I'm just paying attention to the, the grind and the gameplay itself. But if you played The Surge 1, and this was a problem that Lords of the Fallen had too, uh-huh. is these games that want to be Dark Souls, um, but they're kind of clunky. And Lords right. of the Fallen was a very clunky game. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't even get through the first level. I'm yeah. like, I got to put this down. Yeah. It was, I mean, you were heavy. You felt heavy when you were playing your character. Like you yeah. were slow to respond. It was it was a very difficult game to kind of really get into. Um, I still got into it, but that's a different thing. But the surge was not as bad as that. But it still was a little a little bit clunky. But it had some it had some speed. This one, the surge two, it's it's even better. On my opinion, it's on par in terms of playability of the Dark Souls franchise. Oh, nice. In response time, yeah, I'm really digging it, and I'm probably gonna keep playing it for a while. So. That's been my big game portion okay, okay. of uh, this week. Uh, the other thing is, uh, as part of my new house, uh, I treated myself and I went out and bought a game chair. So I got oh. the Respawn uh, RSP 110, which is probably, I think, the low line, the lowest of the Respawn chairs. But uh, I'm digging it, man. It's got um, it's got a really wide seat. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, and it's got one of those uh, like footrest things that slides under the seat so I can oh. slide it out. Put the footrests up and then oh, lean I'm the chair way right back. It looks really fancy. Yeah, lean the chair way back, and uh, you know it's got a bunch of pillows all over it, and just sit back and play some Xbox. And uh, I got a green one, so it matches my Xbox uh, theme. Very and, cool. Uh, that was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Very good. What about you? Uh, let's see. I. Um, I plowed through a bunch of Battlestar Galactica last week. I know everybody's uh, yes. like, you know, Battlestar Galactica, but man, I plowed through a bunch of it. I have like four episodes left of the series. Of the series. Oh, so okay. I mean, a lot of things are like coming to light, right? That sort of were up in the air. Who some of the Cylons were, all that yeah. kind of stuff, you I, know. I think. I don't know if there's any more hidden Cylons. I don't think there's not. Yeah. They've been okay. very clear at this point. There's like, they reference one who was killed 
I don't right. think they're going to bring him back because, I mean, it sounds like he's dead as a doornail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and was it like was, there was the original nine or seven? Or? So there was an original five. Five, that's what it Yeah, original five, and they had come from a certain place to... Um, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to avoid some spoilers. Dude, it's like a decade old now, right? It's, or something. It's like 15 years old now. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's like it's past. All right, like, I'm gonna talk about it. So they the had come pool. from. Yeah. They had right. They had escaped from Earth, because they had developed a technology. It turns out Earth was inhabited by all Cylons, right? Uh-huh. Yep. And they these five were working on a technology to resurrect essentially, mm-hmm. and they had built their sh- their resurrection pod. Yep. And when the nukes rained down and killed everybody, they were resurrected, and they hightailed it back to um, back to kind of the colonies, the original twelve colonies, right? Mm-hmm. And they sort of set up shop there, and they created the nine that were sort of their offspring. Yeah. Right, and that's the ones, the twos, the threes, the sixes, yeah. the nine. Yeah. You know what I mean? All eights and nines and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. So there's, well, actually, there's eight models. Sorry, there's five hidden Cylons. There's eight original models or that that were created. So um, yeah. So anyway, it's all being revealed. They're trying to find. You know, Earth was a bust. You know, tons of radiation still. Couldn't really live there. So. They're off finding. Um, I thought the episodes with the coup, right? The people like were mm-hmm. revolting against an alliance with sort of the repentant Cylons, right? Um, right. I thought that there was like a three episode arc of the coup that I thought was really, really well done. Really, really well done. And, and I was thinking the whole time, they did such a good job with the um, idea of. Uh, lack of communications and how that can flame the fires of a coup, right? So the people who had planned the coup, um, one of the main guys was um, uh, Lieutenant Gata, right? And he was the communications guy. And so he had all the communications locked down and he was giving orders to people all while suppressing communications that were coming to the bridge, essentially. You know, and it showed how quickly, like, that, that misinformation or lack of information um almost led to the downfall of everybody you know um Mm -hmm. and so i just thought it was a really 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 good episode um there's some there's this is a fantastic series it's just hard to watch so much at one time because it's very dense it is and it's a series that shows the you know it shows such a change in the individuals you know you think of um uh, you said his name a second ago, Gata. I don't remember. Yeah. That. It's been a yep. while since I've seen it. But, oh, think of when you first were introduced to that character and how they were and think of them now and oh, like absolutely. all the things they've gone through and the sides that they've switched between. You know, yep. it's just, it shows so much how humans are just, uh, you know, fragile and can be fragile in their determination based on the circumstances they're put in. Yeah. It's just interesting. And- I think that that has been kind of a big theme, right? Which is that we're not locked into our destinies. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? So, anyway, it was pretty good. Yeah. There's a lot of different destiny choices that switch around on that. Yeah. Lots of switcheroos. For sure. Um, so, I'm hoping to finish it this week and, and oh, cool. be done with it. And I'll give a final report, I guess, maybe next week. You know? Yeah. For all those um, people that, you know. Exactly. <laughs> that have already seen it. You're right. welcome. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I picked up Watch Dogs 2, and I've been playing it a little bit. Um, i got to be honest, I'm not loving it. 
I'm really not. Um, I thought Watch Dogs 1 was a little bit better. I, I feel like the story of this is just not engaging. You know? That's too so bad. I, I need to I need to give it a little bit more time. But, man, I, I just feel like it's Ubisoft's wannabe version of Grand Theft Auto, and mm-hmm. they didn't do a good job with it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, it's hard to compete with, like, a, if you're into Grand Theft Auto, it's hard to compete with Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Do, and think, isn't Grand Theft Auto Five like, one of the, the highest? Yes. It still is. Yeah. It still I mean, is. Like, people play Grand Theft Auto online, like, still ridiculous amount. Yeah. Like, I mean, I got friends on my list. I, they're always playing it. And yeah, I'm like, dude, that game was when was that? 2014. 20? Uh, let's see. Maybe 13. 14. Yeah, 13 or 14. Yep. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. You it's know, seven with, years ago, and, and and I mean, they've even had Rockstar's even had Red Dead Redemption come out, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. I don't know if they had another one that came out. I mean, they they tend to go a long time between their releases, right. but um. Well, and the other thing is yeah. that you know that game has not fallen below thirty dollars since right. its release. Right. I swear, like maybe, maybe once, but it's like every time that game is like gone on sale, it's like it's on sale for thirty dollars. You're like, dude, the game's like six years old, and it's still exactly. thirty dollars when it's exactly. on sale. Exactly. And they're like, why drop it? I mean, you know, yeah. people are still playing yeah. for it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So anyway, I'm gonna give Watch Dogs two a little bit more wiggle room, but man, I'm just I'm not loving it. Unfortunately, I, I enjoyed the first one. I I totally yeah. played the first one. So. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, I rearranged my hobby room today. Organized it really. I got a new display case for. I my saw the pictures. Night hunt models. If you Where'd follow you me on Instagram, I got it from IKEA. Man, we went on Saturday. Yeah, there you go. Was it exciting to be back in a store? I know, right? It felt weird. Yeah, my wife I'm, was like, "IKEA's open. We're going." I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> Especially with the with the new house and you know probably trying yeah. to fill space. Fill space. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Money but, goes a uh, long way there. Yeah, the the thing that we did though is I just looked up where it was in the warehouse and we went straight to the warehouse and picked it up. Like oh, I was like, man. I didn't want to browse. You didn't want to browse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's we right. had, There's we a had time things place. to do. We had things to do. Yeah, like uh, put yeah. all the minis in it. And I got um, like a bunch of acrylic racks, so I've got like my paints all up on the wall now instead of in a bucket, oh, essentially. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks pretty good. Pretty Very organized. cool. My daughter came through and. Um, totally rearranged everything though, yeah it didn't meet her standards of organization right like, where are the inks i can't find the inks <laughs> yeah daddy they're in the ink section <laughs> so i uh let's see what else oh i've been reading a book called the shadow of what was lost it's a very interesting book it's on kindle um and uh it's a fantasy book uh very interesting kind of system of magic and sort of their relationship in so like in this world there's these people who are gifted and basically they're kind of like telekinetics you know um and there was the there was another group of magic like magic wielders that could kind of read minds and tell when people are lying and things like that but um they had sort of abused their powers i guess like 20 years prior uh, Mm. to when the book happened and there was a giant revolt and a giant war and they got thrashed big time and um, so this government called the Administratum or something like that, they had um, uh, sort of put in these things called the tenets, and it was like agreements that both sides would live by, and it was bound in some sort of magic that prevented people from using like magic against other people, and hmm. they had to do certain things. Um, and, uh, you know, like, they, so the main character 
um, is having difficulty using, quote-unquote, the gift, and something comes up, he gets sent away from his school, and the school gets completely slaughtered, like, that night that he leaves. And he's trying to figure out what's going on. You know, so it's uh, it's been an interesting book so far. I'm probably about halfway through it. It's a three-book series, and it's, you know, complete trilogy. So for those people who want to pick it up, I'd recommend it. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, we got Rogue Trader coming up this weekend. We played, what, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. So I've just been prepping for that a little bit. And, uh, yeah. Kill some more I, orcs? Yeah. I gotta, I'm going to be perfectly honest, though. I don't know how I'm feeling about the system. What do you think? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it either. We t- uh, we talked about this before, uh, you know, pr- uh, not on the podcast, but yeah. before. It's it's not just the system. The system is okay. Right. I'll be honest with you. Like, um, uh, the concept of rolling under your score. Yeah. You know that's that's used in you know almost every D100 system. Right. That that I've played in. So that's not new. Um, I just feel like no matter how hard I try to know my character, I am always having to dig through stuff to figure out how to do something. I agree. Man, I'm having to flip through so many. It's the rule books, I don't know how I feel about these rule books. I, I literally, I spent so much time prepping for our last session, and I still felt like I was flipping through so many reference things that I yeah, had put together. Rough. You know, just to make sure that I was doing it right, you know. And, man, it's just... it. Uh, I don't think that the rule book is terrible in itself. I think that its layout is fine. It's just that none of it is feeling super intuitive to me. Right. That's you the know? key. Like, for example, uh, the best, best craftsman, yeah. when you have that on a, on a weapon. So, okay, what does that mean when it says best craftsman? So then you go to the weapon section of the rule book, and it talks about, well, in order to, uh, you know, when you get a weapon, it can be this craftsmanship, and this is right. how you make it this craftsmanship. Cool. So what does that mean? And it's not in that section right there. It's buried somewhere else. And it's like, I don't even know where to look to try to really find out what this means. It's it's just tons of little things like that that uh, make it difficult for me. But I don't know. And we also yeah. talked about how, like, um, you know, the, it's, it's, it's a little hard right now to feel the setting of the 40K, like the immensity of what that is. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, I, I mean, I, some, I, not being a kind of lifelong 40K buff, you know, mm-hmm. being kind of relatively new to it, I would say within the last year or two. Right. Um, I do feel a little overwhelmed in trying to convey yeah. that Oh, I could bit, see, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to do what I can, but I also feel like some of the, some of the, some of the adventures that we're running, I mean, I'm giving you the 40K content that's in there as well. Yeah, because you know you're mean? running pre-gen. You're, like, mixing up adventures, right? Yeah, yeah and, and the plan is, the the plan was, is let's try out these pre-gens to see how, like, some of these, right. you know, developers wanted us to fill the game and try it out that way, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be silly to run a Star Wars game without running one of the splats, you know, yeah. and feeling mm-hmm. how that, you're, you're, you're essentially playing the game the way that the des- developers wanted it to be played right. in some of these things. And so... I'm using it, and I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm feeling it that much. Let, let's push through and see see where we are, and then we'll talk about it. You know what's you know what's funny though is some of our players love it. They're having a blast. Yeah. And and that's great. I, I'm so glad because I feel like I'm failing at every turn. Well, 
<laughs> and that's when it comes down to it. You know, when you get together to play an RPG, it's about having a good time at yeah. that moment, right? Yeah. That yeah. night. And if everybody's laughing and, and having a good time and, you know, then that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. It would also help if I um, gave you guys a little bit of, uh, you know, tension, if I could roll under the stupid orcs <laughs> weapons one roll yeah, just to or- make one hit you know poor oak orcs were not on it that night oh they did not want to do their thing so anyway yeah. it is what it is yeah i it's... do like how uh, my uh, astropath uh, broke open the uh, warp there oh that was fantastic that was great yeah yeah and ghosts ghosts yeah, came ghosts everywhere it <laughs> <laughs> was great yeah, that was good <laughs> Yeah, all my companions are like, so does that mean all the enemies have to roll for fear? I'm like, yeah, and you guys too. And you guys too. <laughs> mostly you because you were yeah, the ones yep. that were mostly around them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, cool. All right, uh, let me hit some news real quick. Um, yep. I just have some quickies. So um, Doom Eternal, I noticed, is on sale on Xbox. It's about half I off. I know, I saw. It's about half off. I know. And I was like, oh, that looks really good. That looks really good. I've I'm just picked up Watch Dogs too, though. I just picked up Watch Dogs too, so I'm like, uh, yeah. it may, it may wait, it may wait, but still though, it's on sale. So pick it up while you can. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, the big news that was in our in our um, tabletop war gaming chat was yes. that the 40k table size has changed. Now, granted, these are the minimum requirements. For and I'm just gonna give the nobody really cares about the 1,000 or 3,000 point size games. Everybody cares about the two the 2,000 point games because that's for tournaments essentially, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So the min, new minimum size is uh, 44 inches wide by 60 inches long. Now the standard size is 48 inches by 72 inches. So they've cut off four inches of the side. Not that big of a deal. You and I have played on my dining room table, yeah. and it's missing four inches on the sides, and we—it's been totally fine. Um, I think the big issue is that you've cut a foot off of the end of the table, though. Right. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. I think so. so. Uh, width. Uh, widthwise. Well, I guess it depends uh, on who's width and what's length. But yeah. yeah, well, the, the long direction. I yeah, guess. the long direction. You've cut a foot off the table. <laughs> the short direction, right? The hamburger section. It's almost about a half, uh, half a foot. It's about yeah. three point six now, I think. A little over three and a half is what the forty-four inches is. So it used to be a four foot even. Right. Now so it's yeah, a it's three and a half by three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half by five feet, though, instead of yeah. four feet by six feet. Yeah. So, do you think? Here's a question. Do you yeah. think this is why LVO was doing a fire sale on their eight by or their six by fours? Do you think I, they knew? No, they have those Frontline big sales. Games. They have those big sales every year. Do they every year? Okay. Yeah, every year. I mean, they were that time. they were fire sailing those mats, man. Yeah, they had produced a bunch of them. Um, yeah, and I don't think that they. I don't know though, because I mean, it's been in play test for a little while. Yeah. So maybe some of the people who were in play test were given a heads yeah. up. Um, I will say that Garrett, who is pretty yeah, plugged in know. with Frontline, he was he was pretty shocked by it, right? So, right. Um, I man, it's gonna push armies together. Now, Age of Sigmar doesn't sound like it's changing their table size yet. Well, how do we know? I mean, we've got a we got a new GHB coming out here. That's that's it. And I think that I mean this is this is in concordance with like the new rules of 40k that this new table size is coming out too, right? So what's the table size on Warcry? 
uh, that's just it. Warcry, apparently, so the the um, dimensions are 22 by 30 inches for the one board. So if you put two of them together... You got a 44 by 60? Yeah, well, you would need four to have a 44 by 60. But right. Well, it's the same concept with yeah. Kill Team, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So it's, I think Kill Team's the same board. That right there points to the fact they're going to do the same thing, man. I think so, too. I think so, too. But, you know, what's interesting is I think that we'll see AOS 3.0 next year. So I think it's going to be about a year before we see a table size change. You think next year will be AOS 3? I do. I've I've heard a couple of people talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be next year. That'll be interesting, man. That'll be interesting. I tell you, um, you know, even squishing people half a foot closer together on deployment is really you think they're just going to shrink deployment zones uh well i think if you measure from the center right because really you're you're cutting six inches off of the ends of the boards right and then you're cutting off a you know uh two inches i think if you i mean like when you and i played on my table yeah when you and i played on my table um we measured from the center and it really wasn't that big of a deal. It didn't affect deployment zones in terms of like how far apart we were from each other, right? What it did affect was how far back you could squish your guys. Like your terror guys could come stomping across the thing. And if I if I can put my guys as far back as I can, that puts you out of range of a charge. That puts you out of you know what I mean, or yeah. makes you have a far charge. But if you can't do that, all of a sudden, like, you could come storming across the field and really wreck some stuff up. Um, and, you know, it's it's harder to make a three-inch screen with a bunch of things back there if you can't put them back far enough, you know. So you get a bloodthirster who's got a huge range, you know what I mean, and he piles into your screen and mm-hmm. you can't put your guys far enough. Like, maybe he's taking out some backline hero support. Yeah, this is a... there's. It will be interesting to see what happens because there are a lot, there are so many units mm-hmm. that have so many special things and ranges and everything, and, and you know it's on one hand I mean like I you gotta feel you gotta feel the pain for a Games Workshop when they they you know you gotta make changes to be relevant and you yeah. know any change you make there's no way you can you, there's no <laughs> way you can catch every repercussion of that right. change, but I mean when when the uh, when the new uh, uh, Zinch came out, and they showed that um, that uh, the new Zinch army could, and all the players saw, oh, you know what? It's possible to do a one-drop list with this yeah. thing, and a powerful, potent uh, one-drop one, list. Yeah, and for uh, our listeners, a one-drop list means that you are guaranteed to go first every time, and your army is powerful as such that you do a one-drop, you can annihilate half of their army before they even get a roll of dice. Yeah, and and it's I think we even showed that with their and everyone was arguing, well, one drop that just forces you to have to deploy properly, but we showed there are there are existing battle plans where there is nowhere you can put guys yeah to not be within threat range from yep. a one drop list. Yep. And it's like you look at that and you think, did they did they just not play test it or right. and and that's where I'm like to be fair, it's like, you know, there's just there are, you know, so you know exponential amounts of combinations of rules in these yeah. games yeah. it's so complicated yeah 
But anyways, yeah, curious. See what happens. Yeah, we'll see. I, I we'll see what happens. I'm I'm curious. Um, you know, with people not playing, you know, armies like Zinch and and Caradron Overlords and stuff like that that much during the coronavirus. Um, mm-hmm. that like what's going to happen during the that's true back update this summer. Yeah. And how that's going to affect gaming in the fall. How that's going to affect maybe the production of AOS 3.0 next year, possibly. Yeah. You know, so it'll be interesting to see. Interesting I'm, to see. I'm very curious. I will say I am slightly interested in investigating. I'm trying to find a way to say this without much committal. <laughs> investigating the next version of 40K. Oh, dude, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, I am. I'm, I am, I am, I've been like, hmm, interesting. I know. As I've, I've been like reading the yeah. developments, you know, and I'm kind of like, all right, well, uh, maybe my next army is not going to be a 40K one or a, a, an AOS, AOS one. Maybe it's yeah. going to be a 40K one. And, you know, learning that and kind of getting into that scene. I We have a friend, uh, Corey, who plays both, and he says he loves it because when one system feels a little bit more broken, he goes and plays the other system. Yeah. And I don't think that's a terrible idea. Uh, it just all. means you have to learn rules. Might have to rules. resurrect my Tau. Yeah, there you go. Still have them in the closet. There you go. Our space, our space uh, commies. That's right. No, well, are they commies or social? I mean, social. for the greater good, right? Yeah, for the greater Tauva, my friend. <laughs> uh let's see a couple quick uh, quick other things uh zombie side if you love zombie side uh the green horde scenario which is the expansion of the black plague um they just came out with a new scenario um if you go to the zombie side website you can see that like um they've been putting out every week or every couple of weeks new scenarios that you can download and run um with your zombie side games and they're totally free and I think that that's kind of an awesome concept, right? Because um, you and I have played Zombie Side. Oh yeah. You Love know how it. the mission it basically says, okay, these tiles are set like this. The mm-hmm. objective markers yeah. are here. Here's where the zombies come out of, and you know, go with God, don't die. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, so you know, you have to work together and try to figure it out. And I love the idea that these gaming companies are saying we're treating this as a living system. And we're giving you free content to support your board game, not a video game, right? Your board game every week that you can go download and play. I think that's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, very good. Uh, Paizo, for those who play Starfinder or Pathfinder, um, be aware that they are making some digital accessories like cards and things like that that you can use in your digital games. And I think that that's um, obviously they've seen the writing on the wall for gaming for the next foreseeable future. So they're making things a little bit more digital, which I think is great. And um, FFG has put out a bunch of releases for many of their product lines. Um, for example, they dropped a whole bunch of stuff for Star Wars Legion. Um, you've got the AAT Trade Federation Battle Tank Unit expansion. So if you're playing, you know, the um, uh, Separatist stuff, you've got uh, more Battle Droid tanks. Uh, you've got Can- uh, Cassian Andor and K2SO um, as a unit for heroes. Obviously, those were from um, Ro- uh, Rogue One. Um, let's see, they've, they've got uh, a bunch of other different ones. You've got, um, uh, 
they came out with a Black Widow Champions, uh, Marvel Champions. You played this game, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Marvel Champions. They've got a new hero pack that includes Black Widow. Um, there's a Weaver of the Cosmos Mythos pack, which is kind of a Arkham Horror card game expansion. Um, they've got stuff for Keyforge. They've got stuff for the Game of Thrones trivia game, Seasons 5 through 8. The only thing you need to know for Season 8 of Game of Thrones is it was terrible. Um, <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've got a ton of expansions. I, go check it out, FFG. Um, we'll put the link in the podcast in the show notes. But um, the point that I would like to make about this is that normally these types of things are reserved for cons, like the releases, right? Like there's a big release, you can go get your tank, you can go get your uh, new units, um, go to the go to the convention. Of course, you can order it on the website afterwards, but it's exclusive to that con for that weekend or week of. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and seeing as how we don't have any cons, Gen Con especially, they are releasing a bunch of this stuff just right now via the web. Digital Gen Con. Yeah. Registration opened today, I think, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Did it cost anything? No, it's free. Did you have to have a badge before? Uh, that is a question I don't know the answer to. I don't know. I it don't just know says either. badge registration for Gen Con online is now open. Registration oh. is free. Okay. All right. Yeah, so there you go. Learn the piece of news. Gen Con online is online. Yeah, um, there you but go. But they won't have a vendor hall. Maybe they'll have a vendor part of their webpage. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. There's merch. Yep. I tell you, I've debated getting because they still have the shirts because they'd already made the shirts, right? Oh, right. Gen Con 2020. I'm like, that, man, I need to get one of those. It's like it, the, the con that never happened. Oh, dude, that would be kind of cool, actually, for you to wear a Gen Con 2020 shirt at, like, the next one. Yeah. Yeah, that would be actually kind of funny. People would be like, wait a, wait a minute. <laughs> right. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. How did he get to go to Gen Con? Right. <laughs> right. That. And you just played off like, oh, you know. Oh, dude, it was awesome. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It was fun. You weren't there? Yeah. Man, you missed out. There's hardly anybody here. We had a no, they game still we held wanted it. to play. They still held it. <laughs> yeah, right on. All right, well, that's all the news that you can use from the tabletop world now. Uh, I believe that uh, Jason has developed an interesting topic for us to talk about tonight. Uh, Jason, why don't you take it away? Yeah, man. So the topic for tonight is sci-fi versus fantasy settings in gaming. Yeah. yeah. And I had this thought. It was a spontaneous thought. Um, you know, there are a couple, basically a couple different settings that exist inside our games. There's today's setting where it's just, right. it's, in, it's, it's the normal. It's what we are now, you know. Uh, yeah, modern, in our lives and everything. Yeah. And, and those are focused more on, you know, story and drama and maybe adventure a little bit those kind of things yep uh but then there and then there's fantasy games and then there's science fiction games um and then and then we'll talk about at the end there's a hybrid of those two but i was you thinking don't see about a that. lot of you don't see a lot of like historical stuff right you, like it's not you know, like you we're having yeah. any civil war rpgs out there <laughs> no <laughs> although know? there are, are a ton of historical uh war gaming oh absolutely yeah absolutely. it's huge in, the, in that but yeah which, Not by the way, like, um, check out our podcast uh, that we're going to be putting out maybe this week, actually, that I sat down with No Dice, No Glory podcast uh -huh, uh, owner. Yeah. Um, it was Mitch Reed, and we talked a lot about historical wargaming. And I have a challenge with him, I think, in the next week or two. i got to play a historical wargame with him, and uh -huh. then we're going to play Warcry. Cool. Yeah, it'll be yeah. good. So, but so yeah. 
So yeah, the um, yeah, fantasy and sci-fi are are two different genres that are on every game that we play, right? Yeah. Um, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, which one of these is harder to make a good setting in a game by? Um, and so put mechanics aside for a minute, and let, let's not talk about mechanics of a game. But let's just talk about theme. So we're just talking about the skin of the game. Yeah, the skin of the game. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so with fantasy, I think, and and I kind of I countered myself after thinking about this for a little bit. But initially, I thought, you know what, fantasy has got to be easier because it's 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 an easy skin. It's you know, number one, you could step back to a low technology level. Yeah. A world that's not, you know, super developed. Add magic and add mystical beasts, and you have a fantasy setting. Boom, and it looks Boom. like a standard trope, from you know, that's all over the place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And definitely. rinse and repeat. And I think that that lack of technology absolutely helps it be a little bit more believable. You know, um, yeah. because it's like you say, oh, the most sophisticated thing in this world is a crossbow. Right. You know, and you're like, okay, <laughs> cool. Right. You know, and, and you don't have to worry about like the implications of technology that you might have to in a sci in a sci-fi setting. Yeah. Um, and and well, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more in sci-fi. But the point is, is that you know that lack of technology, the thing that can trip you up in a in a in a um, fantasy setting is the magic system, right? Mm -hmm. And I know we're not talking mechanics here, but I will say that magic can mess up the the um, fantasy setting because it could be too powerful. Right. It can be way too powerful, and then all of a sudden you're in a super high magic like, um, you know, I, I I'm going to use a sci-fi example here, right? But this is the Star Wars. Everybody's a Jedi. You know, sure. <laughs> and so like if you imagine if you imagine in in a fantasy world. You know, you've got low technology but high magic. All of a sudden, everybody is sort of "quote unquote" a fantasy Jedi. Mm -hmm, you know, yeah. and and um, that can make your oh, I've got a great example of this: the Witcher book, the Witcher RPG. Um, I'm looking at this book. It was put out in production because people are like, "Oh, we love Witcher Three. This should this would be a great RPG." In theory, I think it is a great RPG. In practice, it's a horrible RPG. Like the mechanics are just not good. Um, I struggle with it a lot, and the problem is, is it's like, who doesn't want to be a witcher? Mm -hmm. Like, I could yep. be, I could be a singer, and it's not even like a bard. Like a bard in D and D has powers, yeah. right? But this one's like, I can be a singer. So, so you know, you're <laughs> right. like, okay, great, <laughs> hooray, right. you know? Um, and they've got some some wizards in there and stuff like yeah. that. But I mean, it's like you know, I, I would want to be a witcher who's like the most awesome person ever. Yeah, you can and, be a witcher or you can be side character. Yeah, exactly. Which so, one? but you know, Make the your thing. Own fate. The, but the point is, the point is though is that you know even though that sort of broken mechanics, you're talking about Renaissance era, and it's easy to plug and play a Renaissance era type stuff you know and i'm talking about renaissance mm -hmm. setting yeah. not era right that's the wrong thing and it's and to get back to your point there about the um how magic can break it, it it's easy it's it's a hard balance because it can go the other way too um yes. where you know you think well if i'm not a spellcaster, then it's not worth doing anything but then yeah. it can be oh man they make the spellcaster so weak that all i can do is sit way far back yeah. Cast my one spell, hope it goes off, and if it doesn't, run away from everything else on the field. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's absolutely. it's a hard balance. 
But that's why when I play games like uh, Skyrim or you know any of those Elder Scroll games, I usually pay, play some sort of like a spell sword type thing because okay. I like having a little bit of like Balance, yeah. armor to be able to get out there and do some sword play, yep. and then have some support magic to kind of turn the tide a little bit if I need to. You know, I almost always default kind to sword and board. Yeah, I um, I almost always oh, yeah. uh, default mm-hmm. to sword and board. In, yep. in the, even even though there's like magic. I'm just like, ah, oh, it's too complicated. I'm just moving on. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know? that was me with the Dark Souls games was, you know, sword and board was a way that I, I either went super decks or sword and board uh, yeah. with very little magic, very yeah. little magic. Um, but anyways. So, so let me ask you this. Like, you said that, listen, you just, you just take, uh, you take a setting and it can be sort of based on Lucian history, like we talked about yeah. Renaissance era or medieval times, or yeah, dark ages, you know, dark ages, yeah. or you know, talk about like uh, legendary mythical kingdoms in Ireland type of thing, right? Yeah, you take mm-hmm. one of those types of uh, of periods in our history that we've got, you know, some some familiarity with, and you add some mystical beasts and you add some magic, and boom, you've got yourself a fantasy setting, right? Yeah. Um, is that unique? <laughs> I mean, right. like, where's it? Where does you uniqueness come in there versus it just being kind of a tried and true, maybe overtrod? And this is trope. where wow, I kind of backed of up. This is where I backed up on my my initial thought. I initially, I thought, man, it's got to be so much easier to throw fantasy on there. And I think it probably is easier to start with fantasy. Yeah. But it's probably because there is so much there, and if you're not too hard, it'll be kind of like what you said. It'll just all look like a Tolkien world. Um, right, it might actually be harder to make it feel different, to make it feel unique, you know, rather than just playing. Oh, I'm just playing the same uh, setting, just with different mechanics today. So, yes, I think I think it's a double-edged sword, right? On one hand, um, there's familiarity there. I mean, we mm-hmm. all. I mean, when you talk about fantasy setting, you are in some sort of Tolkien-esque land. Yeah. It may not be. I mean, it may not be Tolkien. It might be the Wheel of Time. It may not be the Wheel of Time. It might be you know something else that's got orcs in it. And you're like, okay. And you're like, I understand generally. And and, and this is pretty good for new players too, if you think about it. Um, you take someone who's never played your system. Let's say Shadow of the Demon Lord, right? You say we've got Shadow of the Demon Lord that we're gonna play. And they're like, okay, what is it? And you're like, well, it's a low magic fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. And people are like, okay, well, I expect there to be dwarves and elves and goblins and orcs. And you're like, yep, it has all of those. And they're like, okay, cool. And you're like, here's the slight differences with some of them. Here's the slight differences with the setting. But because there is that baseline and foundation, yeah, familiarity. it's super easy to get in and jump in and be like, okay, I know what I'm playing. I yep. know what I'm playing and I know what to expect. You know, I know that when a troll comes to me, it's not good. You know, it's not good Um, versus maybe a sci fi setting like you encounter a new race and you don't know what to expect. Yeah. So So jumping. Yeah. Kind of jumping into the sci fi there. um, I think it's I think it might be easier to and hear me out on this. I think it might be easier to create a unique feel with a sci fi um, setting because but but I think it's getting harder because as our own world's technology level continues to increase, I guess level is kind of a big jump, but as our own you know, technological uh, world is, is increasing in you know, accessibility yeah. and you know, our concept of what, what is actually realizable 
is not far off now. If somebody would show you, you know, like if you, uh, the last seasons of Parks and Rec, right? Right. If anyone remembers, you think Parks and Rec, oh, that was a funny comedy show. One little goofy thing about that show is in the last season of that show, they were using like hologram communication devices and tablets. And every time they would whip it out, you'd be like, what what the crap are they looking at? Yeah. Like, and, you know, they were supposed to think, oh, that's 2017 technology. And we're like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's like yeah. 2020 now. We don't have that crap. Yeah, but exactly. So the comp, but you, you just kind of blow past it because we are getting so, with, with all the stuff that keeps coming out every year, we're getting so, like, uh, not, uh, it's becoming more real. Like, I look at it and somebody would show, hey, here's a holographic tablet right. or a see-through tablet. I'm like, you know what? We might actually have that in a couple of years. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm actually believe that. So I think that I think it's easier, maybe easier to create a sci-fi setting. Right. But it might be harder to make one that has longevity because you got to you got to think you got to start thinking pretty far out into the future now. Otherwise, it may not feel sci-fi so much as just today. So one of the interesting things I literally just thought about as you're talking about it um, is that um I think that our brains are starting to demand more hard sciences in our sci-fi. Oh, yeah, hard science fiction. You know, yep. where, yeah, where it's like, okay, well, we understand, like, at a baseline level of how things work in space that um, 50 years ago people didn't understand that concept. Like, we've grown up on the idea of what yeah, it means have. to be in space. Yeah. You know, and so we're like, okay, well, if you do this, you're going to fly the other. Like, if you throw a ball forward, you're also going to be pushed backwards because this is space. You know what I mean? Like, we've seen enough movies about space to know, like, that that's space. kind of how. Space. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, to know that that's kind of how it works, right? And what's interesting is if you look at, like, Jules yeah, Verne novels. Yeah, know there are vampires on the dark side of the moon. That's we right. We all know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you look at like a Jules Verne novel, right, that talks about like how oh, like yeah. submarines mm-hmm. work or like how like a spaceship would work, it's like, well, there's this crazy technology that's in there, and you're like, okay, that that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> right? Because right. like, but to the person that was reading that back then, they're like, wow, that is crazy to think about that. Yeah, you and know? I gotta, I you know, and the only reason I don't have this on me is because we moved, and now my my books are not all on the bookshelf yet. But my wife years ago she got me a science hard, uh, she got me a science fiction hardback book, but oh, it's like it's classics. So it's science fiction that was written like in the nineteen twenties, uh-huh. and nineteen like I think the earliest one is in like the ni- the teens. Of, okay, and. What's crazy is there's a story, and I'm going to have to find it for next time, but there's a story in there that um, these guys are using. This guy, you know, like something happens and he's in a mine, and the mine collapses, and they unbury the mine, and he was preserved for like five centuries. Or okay. Not even five centuries. Uh, sorry, like a millennia or some stupid thing like that. Uh, yeah. And so it's like crazy in the future, and, you know, it's 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 – you know, mankind's being hunted by aliens, and they're like, you know, scavengers on the planet. But they got jetpacks, and and they have the Star Trek communicator. Yeah. Like they describe it perfectly. Like it's a flip. It's a thing you can hold in. A, it's a communications device you hold in the palm of your hand. You flip up a plastic window, can talk into it, and they can hear you. And I'm like, this sounds. This is interesting. I went and looked up the date, and it was like decades before Star Trek was even conceived. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm like, man, when when they when this guy wrote this book, this was like they were crazy, you know, yeah. what people were thinking when they were reading this stuff. 
But uh, right. so right. I think that the, the, the thing that can, is starting to make sci-fi difficult to be impressionable on us is uh, that we, like you said, we are demanding a lot more hard science fiction. Like that's got to, oh, that's not, that's stupid. That's not real. Right. Or, oh, that's not, sure, we'll have that tomorrow. You know, kind of. So, yeah, it it made me also think about um, how do you kind of get around that a little bit? And Mm -hmm. I am going to go back to the 40K universe a little bit, right? Um, Which is that a lot of the hard science that they knew was lost during this crazy dark times, right? Where they had a giant war with AI. And so now, like, if you want to get the machine, like the engines rolling in your, in your ship, there's tech priests that literally sing yeah, the song uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and like push buttons as they do it to get it going. Right. Yeah. And it's almost their religious chance to get the things going up. And to me that, that, that's sort of an interesting take on it where, there's a very complicated and hard science science thing that's happening, but the people's understanding of that hard science was lost, and now all they have are, um, yeah. you know, liturgy, not liturgies, but um, chants and, um, yeah. you know, rote memorization of rituals that they have to go to to, like, fire up the engines, right. you know? I, and and you I think to, that that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and they get to a point where there's no need to scientifically determine why it works because it works and it does what it needs to do for right. the civilization. Right. Um, and so, so like yeah. a, a, a system like 40 K with our lore, they don't have to explain the hard sciences because the answer to it is, well, they don't know, but it works because yeah. it works. It lets them travel the stars. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of interesting too, you know? Yeah. Um, so there are, I think a good way that people can make this work for them is, uh, and we do see this a lot, is alternate reality, alternate okay. reality futures, where yep. you know there was some something that was different. Like the the latest Wolfenstein games are played right. off of this, right? right? Where like the you know Nazi Germany uh, won the war, and uh, you know things are different there. Um, the uh, steampunk situations that come out uh, are usually based off of something. You know, there's a certain, a different type of technology domain that has right. dominated over where we are today with silicon and semiconductors. Um, it kind of reminds me of like Bioshock, for example, mm-hmm. right? Where like they're in the 1920s, yeah. mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. this like billionaire entrepreneur who's like, screw you guys, I'm going to build my own world, <laughs> right? And so he's got like the big daddies and, you yeah. know, the crazy underground things that sort of wasn't part of normal technology, but he developed it in an alternate sort of right. reality, you know? Right. Um, and you think about this when you see, like, uh, the Aliens franchise, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? The, you look at the Aliens, you look at the computers, and you're like, are you kidding me? It's like a, not even, is it a CRT? Like, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, <laughs> And, and it's funny because you're like, how'd they even get off the planet with that technology? But, you know, it's that's not the point. The point is, you know, the, the point is there's the story and the setting or, yeah. or, or, you know, the encounters and the situations and the threat that's in the out there in the galaxy for them. And I think Aliens has just done so well that it's so easy to overlook that. You just make that assumption. Oh, there was a divergence right. between right. our time and their time at some point. I think that's a great point, which is... Um a good story will cover a lot of sins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of sins. And um, a bad story will expose a lot of sins. And uh-huh. I feel like if we're talking about gaming, 
a good system will cover a lot of sins. And bad mechanics and things like that will expose a lot of Absolutely. problems. You know? so, I mean, because if a game's not fun to play, then... You start poking at it a little bit, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, one of the things, that it, just kind of on the flip side, I, I talked about you know how everybody may have sort of the one concept of like a Tolkien universe in a fantasy setting you know, and some variation of that. Um, Sci-fi is a little bit different, though, because uh, our imaginations are sort of um, the limit, you know, of what mm-hmm. we can come up with. Because if, if we're sort of taking a fantasy setting and we're saying, okay, this is rooted in, in you know, uh, medieval times or, you know, old kingdom or Roman world type of empire, you sort of have framed it already and you've put in fantasy type things in there. So you've, you've got that in your mind. You, you know what you're looking at. You know what a sword looks like. You know what a you know, shield looks like. You know what a pre like a, a magician would kind of be wearing, right, with robes and stuff like that. Yeah. Sci-fi is a little bit different in that um, you and I, if, you, if, if somebody came up to the street and said, quickly, describe to me a sci-fi setting, what would you, what would you, like, what would you describe? Uh, probably something to do with space. Living uh, mankind is out in the stars. I would come up with Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yeah. And there's two That's very, very. De- they're both great. I'm not, and I'm not saying that there was a right answer there, right? The point is, is yours that, is better. Oh no, it wasn't. <laughs> well, maybe. No. <laughs> um, you know, my point is, is that when you say sci-fi, that has so many different implications that it does. Um, yep. It's mm-hmm. a little bit more difficult. Good to, exercise. Um, kind of for, for players to sort of wrap their brains around. Now, you can tie into the tropes. You know, you can tie into some of the things like like um, Shadowrunner is sort of, or Sh- um, Shadowrun, not Shadowrunner, yep. sorry. Shadowrun mm-hmm, no. is, like, is like a Blade Runner style society. And I think once you kind of describe it like that, then people are like, oh, okay, I got it, I got it. It's kind of a, a noir uh, noir, <laughs> a noir, you know, yeah. setting. Yeah. And then if somebody's like, okay, well, this is sort of like a uh, Star Wars Galactic Empire type of thing going yeah. on, then you can yeah, like, you okay, those, I got those, those uh, thing, you know, things you can help people uh, relate to to understand right. it. And I think to a point you made earlier about it's our imagination in science fiction, um, and I think the reason why is because our imagination most of the time is imagining forward. Right. You know, where are we going to be? Where where can we? What yeah. can we achieve? Yep. Um, and that's uh, and you know that's that's in the future. And science fiction, I think, generally, most of the time is probably future future looking. Is where could we be? Yeah. What could this What could this be like? Even if it's little things like, you know, if it's still today um, in our own setting, but somebody has discovered something that could, has the potential to, you know, have a cataclysmic, well, <clears throat> sorry, be a catalyst in the effect of, uh, of our race and what right. we can become. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like an a implant or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. That unlocks extra potential. Of yeah. Power I mean, even the, even the comedy uh, inner space. Yeah. You oh, know, dude. The, I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, it's such a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the technology there, you know, and the te- technology, they didn't need to really explain it because it just provided a setting for a fun movie. But Right. But it was, it is an opportunity to just change everything from that point forward. Yeah. 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 So, so I think there there's one um, 
there's a book that I wanted to recommend. If okay. you like this thought of, man, there's fantasy, there's sci-fi, there's current, there's historical fiction. There's a book um, from Alistair Reynolds called Terminal World. Uh, and this book, written in 2010, uh, this book is really fun because it crosses all of these domains in a single book, in a single setting, with the same people. And the, the, the premise behind this book is that there was a there was an event that happened on the planet that created zones on the planet. And these zones are technological zones. Uh-huh. So in one zone, um, you know, this, the standard semiconductor technology that we have exists. But when you, when you cross the threshold, and these, these zones are, are actual physical um, geographical zones. When you cross into another geographical zone, semiconductor technology does not work. The physics behind it change in the different zone. Oh, interesting. So you will move from one zone that's a high-tech science fiction zone where people have jetpacks and they're flying around with grab boots and stuff. And you go into the next zone and it's a steampunk zone Mm -hmm. because steam is the only technology that is shown to work in that zone. Yeah. And then you go into the next zone past that and it's like the Wild West. And like people are running around on horses and they're shooting crossbows and that kind of stuff because none of the other technology. And then you get even further than that and it just changes and changes. And there are, you know, I think there is there is a bit of magic in it. In some zones, there's magic. Yeah. And it's just, it's great because it's the story of this person who has to travel the world for a reason, which I won't uh, spoil, but it, they have to travel through these zones and you get a book that is a science fiction book and a fantasy book and a science fantasy book all together in one book and it's really really great story it's a lot of fun yeah i um as you were talking about that i was thinking about um red rising have you read that book oh yeah uh yeah i'm in book three right now okay okay so book one is interesting in that like it starts out with a guy on mars Mm-hmm. Right, and he's a miner, and you're like, okay, here we go. Here's Total Recall all over again. Yeah. Um, but you know, some things happen, and then all of a sudden, he sort of finds himself in a weird fantasy setting, because it's sort of it's imposed. true. It really is true. It, he it, it's been imposed upon him to be in this fantasy setting, even oh, though man. it's there's an outer shell of the sci-fi world right that's going on so i thought that that you know as you were talking about sort of these different worlds i thought about that book that um it sort of hits on some of the different notes of a fantasy or and and sci-fi combined yeah, um, yeah. dan simmons uh ilium uh right. is another have you read that one um no but i know it yes. yeah that's another one that's it's a science fiction way into the future but way into the future the powerful race has decided to recreate the uh greek mythology and they're like they're reproducing uh like you know the 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 war in troy and all those things so when you first start reading a book you're like what time period is this in and then all this like weird all this like futuristic stuff starts to pop out and you realize wait these aren't real gods these are like science fiction yeah, yeah. these are like futuristic races that are recreating this thing and, and anyways it's a very interesting book and that doesn't really spoil much of the book there's so much about those yeah. books but uh, yeah i really there's love a, it when, when you see authors that are creative in yeah these, in these there's genres. a book series called cradle by will white 
and this is sort of a magic system, you know, but as you go through, you realize that it's a broader universe issue thing that's going on, and there's some sci-fi stuff in it, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because we're talking about books here. They seem to sort of be touching on it, and I think part of the reason why you get those fantasy notes and books in a sci-fi setting is that it's easy in fantasy setting to do the hero's journey. It's mm -hmm. easy to yep. take the guy who has yeah. been on the farm, quote unquote, the farm, and kick him out of his home hometown because there's a need for him to go out and, you know, fight the big evil in the world and then come back and be the hero type of thing. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's super easy, super easy to do that in fantasy. It's a little bit harder to do in in sci-fi. You could argue, um, without having some blend of fantasy in there. Um, and I think that that's why you see it in a lot of books because it's really engaging in gaming. Maybe not so much because, you know, the hero's journey, we're not looking for like a book, you know, character development, like you do in a book in a, you know, RPG game, maybe. Yeah. I will say, I will name a game since this is, you know, tabletop beyond about gaming and stuff. I, Mass Effect oh, which yeah. had a very, uh, controversial ending to that series. Uh, if you don't think about Andromeda, but just the original series still, the fact that that game did it, um, yeah, because you know it, it had all the things you want in a science fiction R, uh, science. I would say an action RPG, right? Game, right? Um, char character customization. Um, uh, the mechanics were fun. The gameplay was fun. Um, <clears throat> but character it also was there for sure. But it also provided. Um, it also provided a sense of a need for this person to become the hero that will save everyone. Right, right. You can't just go out into the galaxy and escape because space is big. It's like, yeah. well, if this is a problem, you go right and I'll go left and we'll never see each other ever <laughs> again. You know, in right. this situation, you cannot escape the, you know, the, the reavers that are coming after you, you cannot yeah. escape yeah. them. Um, they're just, their, their reach is so vast. Um, right. so it just forced you to kind of have that story in a sci-fi setting. I, Mass Effect is one of the, uh, even with the controversial ending, it is one of the games that will I will you know take those memories of playing those games to my to my deathbed and the experiences that I had uh, with yeah. those characters in the development. Yeah. So I you know you you bring up sort of this idea of game uh, you know sci-fi fantasy. I mean, I think Star Wars is one of those games. Or yeah, one science of those, fantasy. One of those, I mean setting. games. Yeah. So. It's games, uh, it's it's movies, obviously, it's television, like Star Wars is its own, own you know, planet sure, in terms of yeah. entertainment. But um, the, the point of that one, though, is that uh, they have blended, and it started with the original trilogy, George Lucas wove in some very deliberate mythological and fantasy tropes into the sci-fi setting. I mean, he had samurai in there. He mm -hmm. had a code in there. He had the hero's journey with Luke in there. I mean, these are things that, and honestly, those are the things that that touch us as human beings and make us want to like it so much, you know. Um, and so, by doing that, though, now we have space wizards, <laughs> you know, in the, in <laughs> right. the Jedi. And so, uh, you can now play games that have that in there. And you can be a space wizard, essentially. And, I mean, it is a... It, I think Star Wars probably is one of the only games that is a very unique blend of having magic and sci-fi. 
you know, because the Force is magic in a sense. Even though, yeah, even setting. though they tried to explain it away in the prequels with you know midichlorians and all sure. that stuff, but yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and there are there are others that have come and gone. Star Wars absolutely is you know a giant one that is stuck that has has that feeling uh, behind it, and and you know a Star Wars franchise that has created. Um, uh, games and memorabilia and you just name it right but yeah. um, I think that that this was a fun episode to discuss uh, to talk about fantasy sci-fi science fiction the blending of the two and maybe the difficulties if you're yeah. interested in creating your own game that you need to overcome to make make your theme and your skin of this genre unique so that it will stick out and stand out you know it's, it's, it's a daunting can be a daunting task but at the end of the day, if a game is fun to play, we'll play the game. That that's really what it comes down to, right? Yep. I mean, if it's fun to play, uh, you know, you may not hit every single thing that you want to, but you yep. end up with a great game to play. Yeah. So, yeah, great topic, Jason. Thank you for suggesting it, and uh, you know, we will continue to always compare. Obviously, fantasy versus sci-fi. It seems like it's a never-ending debate. Yes, sir. Um, with that, so. Uh, yeah, great. Thank you everybody for joining us tonight and uh, we hope you enjoy the show. If you can like us and subscribe to us, um, hit us up on Facebook. Tell us what type kind of things you want to know about. We're, we're happy to help create more content that um, is focused on our fans. So thank you from, so much for listening. All right, see ya. Have a good night, everybody.